I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord. Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Podcast. This is Ralph Amsden. Uh, you might recognize uh, my my guest, Chili, uh, who was actually part of the podcast for like the first two years uh, of of what we were putting together. We just finished. I got kicked off. <laughs> we just I was fin- banned. We just finished watching ASU uh, drop their third game of the season to Stanford. 34-24, Bryce Love rushes for uh, 301 yards, sets a Stanford single-game record, and, uh, and and Arizona State really faces an uphill battle from here on out. Winnable game, um, but ultimately they don't get the job done. So what we're going to go ahead and do is do something a little bit different. While we're recording the Devil's Junkie podcast, we're just going to go ahead and jump on Periscope and answer some people's questions on Twitter uh, as, as we talk to you here. Um, on the podcast. This is something we've never done before, Chili, so we'll see how it goes. Hopefully there's, like, a lot of people that check in because mm. I'd be, like, really sad if, like, nobody showed love. Um, I mean, ASU showed... Never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, what are your initial impressions of <clears throat> of the game? Obviously, you know, they get down 14-3 to early. They're able to kind of come back. But, um, you know, that last drive that started with eight minutes left and Stanford up by seven. That was an absolute backbreaker. Um, well, first off, I think that there is something um, wrong with ASU like mentally that they're not able to – I don't know like if it's a focus issue or what it is, but it just doesn't seem like they're able to um, grasp things on the defensive side of the ball. And I really feel like they're losing the mental game more than the physical game. Um, Chase Lucas has uh, done – a great job. I feel like he's done a great job, but you know, sometimes I think that there's like you know mental mistakes that are made, like the little pass interference call that he got, like at the goal line. Um, shout out to Snub sixty three. If you got questions, um, feel free to hit us up because we are live on the ASU underscore Rivals uh, Twitter Periscope thing. Yeah, we're doing the Devil's Junkie podcast and going live from Periscope at the same time. Uh, we were going to head out to Palo Alto for the game, but had an opportunity to host the high school sports show on 98.7 uh, earlier today. So we caught the game here in Tempe, uh, and we're just going to give a little bit of reaction um, as to what we saw. Bryce Love, uh, 25 carries, 301 yards, three touchdowns. Were you impressed with his performance, or, or do you feel like he was just taking what was given to him? No, yeah, I, I was absolutely impressed with uh, with Love's performance. Uh, how could you not be? Um, he cut up a ASU team that I actually didn't think was, you know, terrible, even with um, the problems that they exhibited versus Texas Tech and versus uh, San Diego State. I, I thought that this defense was making progressions, and I still feel that way. Um, you know, they're still moving pieces around. Chase Lucas is still relatively new to his position. But it's it's too many big plays. The Sun Devils are still giving up too many big plays. Um, they're not – they don't – other than that, like, they don't seem to be having all the same issues. It's not, like, a recurring thing. So, you know, I kind of just – I'm a little optimistic, which is why I think you kicked me off the podcast initially is because I was overly optimistic about some of the things that they were doing. Um, This is a team that I always think is capable of winning a lot of games. And, you know, I I know that sometimes in sports, you know, positivity doesn't always translate with everybody. A lot of people want to beat them down for, you know, not doing things right. I want to kind of like focus on the things that they are doing right, um, the progressions that they are making instead of like going over like, you know, you brought up during the game uh, Manny Wilkins. Every time he gets injured, his level of play goes down. Sure enough, he gets injured, throws two picks. Yeah, I I would say, you know, I think people get positivity. Uh, the line between positivity and and homerism or fanaticism is <laughs> it kind of gets blurred sometimes um you it, it's a college football program you know you you see that obviously they're going to try to win they're going to try to do things to put themselves in a position to be better and it, it's it's perfectly fine to be optimistic or notice that you know good things are good um bad things are bad and, and in the play on the field right now it's a mixture of both there are encouraging things and you know and what Nikhil Harry's able to do Kyle Williams is somebody who I absolutely think um, 
is uh, not not just uh, under underutilized, but uh, he's somebody that can be used in so many different ways, so many different facets of the game. But you only have one ball, and it feels like today uh, Demario Richard gets two touchdowns for the first time since Week Seven of 2015, and it's Kalen Balage that ultimately you know suffers. While he did have good yardage per carry, uh, you know, with nine carries for 60 yards, he he only touched the ball. You know what? Eleven times, eleven times for what is supposed to be you know a superstar player uh, in your offense. So you you have a lot of pieces offensively. It's hard to spread the ball around, especially when when your offensive line holds up some of the time. Not always. I felt like there were times that Manny Wilkins was maybe holding on to the ball a little bit too long. But at the same time, you got to give credit to Stanford's pass rush, uh, Stanford's coverage. Um, but it, it really felt like when the offense was having fun and being creative, they were moving the ball, and when they were doing some run-pass option type stuff with an injured Manny Wilkins who they were almost daring to run the ball so they could hit him again and again and again. That's really when the offense sputtered in my mind. You know, um, I'm guilty of this. I always want um, the ball to be spread around. I want Nikhil to get some touches. I want uh, Kyle Williams Williams to get some touches. I want uh, Richard to carry the ball. I want Balazs to carry the ball. But I am starting to think that in college football, you might just need to feed one beast continuously until... That beast is completely stuffed. In our case, Nikhil Harry. We might just need to throw him the ball 14, 15 times a game, feed him so that he gets so stuffed with all these yards, 14 catches for 230 yards or whatever he's going to do so that we can spread it around the other way, kind of like what Stanford did. You just keep on going to the same person and let them get their breaks, and then it just translates for the rest of the team. I mean, yeah, I mean, they did have a situation where Nikhil was lined up – on the near side of the field with no safety help. And uh, watching on the Pac-12 broadcast, you know, they said, you have to throw Nikhil Harry the ball in this right. situation. You know, Manny ends up looking left, I think ultimately getting sacked. And, it, 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 you know, it doesn't work. But you don't want to feel like you're forcing the ball. One thing that, that interested me is that they put Nikhil Harry into a position where he was actually running out of that sparky formation, something that's typically reserved for Kalen Balazs. And I, I wonder, you know, what it is that made them decide that Nikhil Harry would be more effective in those situations? Is it just about getting him touches? Is there something wrong with Kalen? Um, it, it certainly didn't seem so when Kalen Blodge did get touches, uh, but but why do they feel like Nikhil Harry's better in that situation than Kalen Balaj is right now? I mean, I don't know. That, that's a great question because uh, Kalen Balaj only touched the ball four times today. Uh Two rushing, two two times rushing, two times uh, receiving, and out of the two uh, times that he carried the ball, one went for like uh, almost 50 yards. The other one uh, was a shorter gain, obviously. But you know, I, I do think that you know may, maybe they are leaning towards you know what I what I was just saying. You know, you just got to keep feeding. You know who is perceivably your best player. Right. Well, it was Kyle Williams who had the 50-yard run. Nikhil, or, or Kalen did get, he did get nine carries offensively, and that 50-yard run by Kyle Williams was was where you saw, you know, Manny Wilkins all the way down the field, sacrificing his body, making right, a great right. block, uh, which is, you know, I think really one of those moments where you say, like, oh, Manny Wilkins, you know, he's, he's definitely a leader. He's definitely doing what it takes to win. But when your body gives out on you, when your body betrays you, when you have somebody come up and, and take out your knee and then all of a sudden you're not able to set your feet or drive into passes or you take away the quickness that makes Manny Wilkins Manny Wilkins you know then you have a you know you you have a serious issue when Manny Wilkins isn't able to be himself on the field and you have to ask yourself do you change the offense to make sure that you're getting the ball into the hands of some other playmakers quickly or do you keep putting Manny Wilkins in a position to take hit after hit after hit after he's already banged up Man, I, you know that. I think you find yourself in a catch twenty-two because I think part of the problem is, is you know, if you veer from Manny, then you're going to be putting in Blake Barnett, and do you really want like, man, this, this is a tough situation that the Sun Devils have going on, and you know, I hope moving forward that you know they're able to address uh, some of these issues. One being, you know, uh, the backup quarterback situation. Is when is it too early to start, you know, giving him some reps uh, and playing him? Um, the game was still competitive. I don't think that the game was out of reach until, you know, two minutes left in the game. So um, do you really pull your starting quarterback to um, see, you know, what Blake Barnett can do? Personally, I feel like you have enough of uh – 
of a data set to say that Manny Wilkins, when he is banged up, is not the player that is going to be able to move the offense as you have it designed. Because if you're not going to change anything up to facilitate the fact that he's lost a step because he got his knee taken out, or it's his toe this time, or it's his hip this time because he's taking these hits, uh, you know, whether it's blitzes, people not holding their blocks, or or blitz pickup, you know, is suffering either way, or the fact that, you know, when he takes off running, he gives up his body, you know, when, when he gets in the situation, you can tell when he's not 100% because his play drops well below 100%. It is extremely correlative. And so when you have enough of a data set, when you have somebody who started 10 or 11 games and in seven of those games the same exact thing happened, I feel like you have to have either a backup plan to immediately change the offense to say we know what we're getting out of our quarterback when he's not 100%. So we need to run more of that sparky formation. We need to get the ball more to uh, to Mario Richard, who I feel like ran really, really well today, uh, uh, especially early in the game. Um, You know, we need to do these things or we need to make a change and see what a 100% Blake Barnett looks like. Because this isn't a matter of Manny Wilkins not playing well enough to have the job. This is a matter of health. It's the same issue that I've been bringing up since the Utah game last year when it was obvious that he was in a lot of pain and he continued to take hits throughout the game to the point where I was just uncomfortable even even watching that take place. I remember remember you... uh, I remember you in, in your feelings about uh, about uh, Manny Wilkins at that time. You know, I, I you know, I don't know the right answer, and I'm not sure if there is one. You know, if you're the coach, you know, you rally around one captain. You know, and right now that 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 guy is Manny Wilkins, so you have to kind of just let him ride until you know, pun or not, like until the wheels fall off, and you know. God, God bless Manny. I, that, that's not what I want to happen. But you, you just gotta, you just gotta give him, just gotta keep riding him until you know, like you can't anymore. Until he forces you to put Blake Barnett in there. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about another uh, uh, pressing need for Arizona State, and that's to have some type of consistency on special teams. Because today, for the fourth and fifth time, they changed out who was back receiving punts. Yeah, they started the year with Brim Hall because Ryan Newsom was injured, and then Chase right. Lucas came in and took Brim Hall's place. Right. Ryan Newsom comes in for him, makes a mistake. They bring in Brim Hall again, who you tell me is the, you know that's the guy when you want to you know, play it safe, when you want to field the punt. Sure you're That's not making mistakes. Guy. That's their sure right. thing. So That's then they sure make thing. the transition back to Chase Lucas um, for the early part of today's game, and then all of a sudden Ryan Newsom's in the game. He ends up fielding a ball like the one-yard line and kind of making a mental error. Does he need more reps in order to make sure that he's not making mistakes like this? Do you think that it serves ASU well to be to be going, you know, you know, three punts and then switching out the returner every single time? You know, I don't. I don't think there's a simple answer to that because I feel like uh, I feel like uh, Coach Graham wants to give Chase Lucas every opportunity to be an Adoree Jackson type of player, where um, you give him the chance to you know uh, touch the ball as often as possible, see what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, you see Chase flying all over the field trying to get involved with plays and make plays and stuff. Um, Brimhall, we know that he's going to be consistent for. One, fielding the punts, and two, maybe getting, you know, 10, 15 yards, you know, on, on a return, maybe seven yards or whatever. But, you know, the one that I've been, I guess, the least pleased with or the most disappointed in is Newsom. I feel like, you know, they wanted him to be that special uh, returner that, you know, is going to break some long plays. And either he just hasn't gotten that opportunity or – you know, he's just not the guy. You get to a point when I think missing reps either motivates you or it takes the wind out of your sails. And I wonder if he's the type of player where if he gets pulled, you know, it, it'll it actually injure him in some type of way uh, in his ability to go out and make a play. Then again, you know, you want anybody who's serving in a returner role to be a little bit off. You want them to believe that they can take the ball to the house every single time. You you want them to also have some type of of 
uh, on-field awareness of where they're at at any given time so they're not fielding the ball inside the five-yard line and, and, and risking putting the team you know, in a dangerous situation. But let's move on from special teams because that's ultimately not what did ASU uh, in today. It, it was run defense. It was Stanford just absolutely dominating the ball behind you know, a former four-star recruit out of Wake Forest, North Carolina, Bryce Love, you know, a, f- a five-foot-nine kid who is a dynamic runner, but it's not even really like he had to make anybody miss. You know, there were a couple of opportunities where Chad Adams had a chance to save a touchdown by pushing him out of bounds or by taking a better angle, and he just wasn't able to get the job done. And, and on that third long Bryce Love touchdown, I feel like that any Division One running back that wouldn't have been able to score on that play is somebody <laughs> who probably doesn't deserve to have any playing time. Bryce Love was running through tunnels. That offensive line was creating tunnels for him. Um, I don't know what it is going. I don't know what is going on with ASU up front on defense, but there were just lanes for him to run through. And um, like you said, there isn't a Division One running back out there that couldn't have ran through those lanes. And uh, I, I mean, I feel like Stanford. They're you know they're picking up their blocks well. They had an innovative, creative offense. You know, while, while you know there were times when they wouldn't even have any wide receivers in the sets. You know that they would they would pull an extra offensive lineman who was lined up as a second tight end all the way across the field to make a block. And you know, and you get to a point where you know you have a three hundred pound guy getting to the second level untouched. He's going to be able to take out your your linebackers, and of then course. you leave it to your secondary to be able to take down a former four-star running back who is having a great season, who has run all over every single team that he's faced. But to give up 301 yards and to know that you're facing a quarterback in K.J. Costello, who's a very good high school player, but this is his first ever start, you feel like you're in a situation where you have to make K.J. Costello beat you and bottle up what Bryce Love's able to do. Everyone knew he was getting the ball, and it wasn't like he was making players miss. Like you said, he had tunnels to run through. Now you brought up an you brought up an interesting point earlier to me when we were, uh, right uh, right after we got done watching the game um, was Bryce Love's 300 yard performance embarrassing? No, that's not what was embarrassing. What was embarrassing is that we weren't able we weren't able to capitalize on their freshman quarterback starting. That is embarrassing. We couldn't get to him. We couldn't rattle him at all. Uh, you know, he seemed calm and cool, and you know, he made plays with his feet and. You know, he made the right throws when he needed to. Um, you know, it, it's disappointing that, you know, ASU's defense isn't able to capitalize on those things, mostly because Graham prides himself on defense. Now, they did the one big turnover with Jamarcus Rhodes forcing and recovering a fumble um, and putting Arizona State in a situation where they didn't fall down really, really big. Uh, early on and and those are the type of plays that Todd Graham wants he wants them to force turnovers which kind of causes them to take a few extra risks defensively but this wasn't an issue of them taking too many risks defensively because ultimately they just basically got beat in in the run game and if it's really hard to punch the ball out of a running back's hands you know when when you're relying on your defensive backs to be the one to do it right we saw Chase Lucas trying to do that uh, late in the game um Regardless, even with the the record-setting day by Love, ASU was never really out of this game. This game wasn't put away. This game wasn't in the deep breeze, a slammer, or whatever. Um, ASU was competitive throughout. Uh, It was a two-score game. I get that. But, you know, ASU has a more than reliable kicker. They have a great kicker. I know he's just a freshman, but he's going to be something special, just like I said Nikhil was going to be something special. Um... You know, Brandon Brandon Ruiz, he can hit field goals from deep, from uh, 55 yards out or whatever, 60 yards out. Um, this game was – ASU wasn't not competitive in this game, and they had opportunities. They had opportunities that they just didn't capitalize on um, when they took the kickoff. I mean, they're – you know, I don't know. I feel like they're – sometimes they should have just let the ball bounce into the end zone, and they didn't. I – I don't know what the theory. I don't know what the kids are thinking nowadays. All these returners. Um, the simple thing is, is, they just let the ball bounce into the end zone. No time comes off the clock. You take the ball at the twenty. A lot of these kids feel like they're going to make that play and they want to run out. And I don't know if they just feel anxious or because of you know uh, where everything's gone these days with social media. They think that they're going to be the highlight or the next viral tweet. Like you know, it's just not working. Um, 
you know, I don't know if anybody has any questions, but feel free to ask us. Uh, we are live on the Periscope, uh, Devil's Junkie Podcast, ASU underscore Rivals on Twitter. So, you know, just hit us up. Yeah, uh, and let's talk about Nikhil Harry. I mean, because uh, the last two weeks we've really seen him come into his own, not only as uh, not only as the five-star recruit that he was coming out of high school, because not every five-star comes in and fulfills their potential, Fact. but he's he's dominant. Absolutely. Uh, and they're finding more ways to make use of him. They have him in that sparky formation. He threw a touchdown pass today. Yeah. Um, Talk about innovations on offense. I mean, right. He's so frustrating and so big that he put Stanford in a situation where where on a third and 17 when they throw a short dump off to Nikhil Harry like they're just giving up on the drive, it took three people to bring him down. And you get a face mask in the process, which ultimately gives them a first down. Nikhil Harry catches a 21-yard pass on the next play. That turns into a touchdown drive in and of itself. Nikhil Harry has completely changed the complexion of the way that Arizona State's offense works. And a team that was really supposed to be centered around, you know, a, yes, a deep receiving core, but Kalen Balaj and Demario Richard. Hey, it's, it's, this was supposed to be a run team. This was, I feel like this was supposed to be like a run-first team. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's constructed that way, and you, I I feel like you you don't want to waste the talent that you have at, at running back. But all of a sudden, this is becoming all about a sophomore wide receiver who you can't do anything about in pass coverage, who is more than willing to come in, crack down, and block uh, the way that a Larry Fitzgerald does for the Arizona Cardinals. He can play on the inside, he can play on the outside. Now they have him carrying the ball. Like, what can't this kid do? Uh, there, there's nothing that Nikhil's not capable of doing. Uh, shout out to Navarrete Abel. Shout out. To the lone wolf shout out to uh Braden ford that i've seen everybody check in and stuff um you know I'm curious on, on some of you guys' thoughts about this asu game um you know i honestly like other than you know and i i don't want to try to beat them down but you know other than you know offensive linemen kind of doing their job and defensive linemen doing their job and i think we're really talented on both of those fronts um i i, I just don't know what asu is really doing wrong because Nikhil does his job uh, Kalen and Demario do their job. Manny does his job, and you know I, I don't want to single blame anywhere. But man, how like what 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 else is going wrong? I mean, is this really just a defense? I mean, I know the game the game is about you know um, scoring the most points and not giving up the most points and. ASU seems to not be scoring the most points, and they are giving up the most in the game. So, Well, you brought it up. Big plays is obviously issue number one. Issue number two, there's some chatter on, on Twitter as we're going through the game that ASU isn't playing a heavy enough front. You know, they have guys like A.J. Latu out there being blocked by, you know, some of these six foot six, 325 pounds. Stanford, you know, basically everybody that goes to Stanford, plays any position at Stanford, would, would be either one of the biggest linemen at Arizona State or would qualify to play Pac-12 uh, Pac tackle somewhere. And so uh, we have somebody saying that the ASU is better than, than than you thought they'd be, which is which is an interesting thing. It is is ASU at two and three at this point in the season? Would you consider it a disappointment? It's hard to say that a two and three team is, it, that you can be encouraged by it. Um, but are are you disappointed, or is this about where you thought they'd be? They've at least been competitive in every game, and you hate to say they were competitive in games against New Mexico State and San Diego State, but the fact of the matter is those games were close. Uh, shout out to Brandon. He brings up a good point. This team is competitive. Uh, I know 2-3 and three isn't what everybody wanted, but San Diego State is good. San Diego State is bona fide good. Um, Texas Tech isn't really a slouch. Um, you know, in Stanford, they are the cream of the crop in the in the in the pack. Uh, shout out to CD Thompson AZ. Shout out to Centennial Athletics. I see y'all checking in. Um, I, I I'm hopeful of a bowl game, uh, Brandon. I'm hopeful of a bowl game. Um, I don't expect this team to be a four or five win team. I do expect them to, you know. Um, Six or seven wins, I don't think it's out of reach. Um, I don't think that the, that Todd Graham is in danger of losing his job. I know that people want his head. But, man, like, this team is competitive on the field. I know that people think that they're not. But um, their rush defense is poor. And we were going through that, K-Town. We were going through that earlier. I don't know if this defensive line is, is getting it done. And I don't know why Ralph brought up that maybe they're a little skinny up front on defense. Um, but what is the solution then? I mean, are we going to force Tyler Johnson to drink, you know, 10,000 calories of protein shakes and eat chicken all day? Like, how, how do we, like, fatten these kids up? And, you know, the, they, they could burn D.J. Davidson's red 
redshirt. Um, you know, they could do what they can to play heavier fronts and more traditional 4-3 defense. But ultimately, you know, even in a 4-3 defense, when you have Stanford playing five offensive linemen with an additional offensive lineman and then two tight ends, everybody's got somebody that they're going to – you're you're leaving it to your secondary to be able to take care of business. And when ASU has traditionally struggled to bring down the ball carrier, then it, it really becomes – uh, it really becomes a recurring issue. You know, you're not going to have any other team that you face this year that's going to line up with a tight end heavy front and an extra offensive lineman on 30 plays throughout the this, game. This is a great point. Removing the devil for another D tackle, fatten them up up front, you know, put more players down there. What do you think? I think that if you had the talent to do that, then maybe it would have been done. Uh, bigger players don't necessarily mean better players. You could have shortened up some of those massive holes that you saw Bryce Love running through, but you got to understand. And Brandon, this is what Ralph is talking about. There's just not the D-line depth to, you know, kind of, you know, do all that. Right. You know, you're, you're still missing a couple of defensive linemen uh, from injury. The fact of the matter is with all of the coaching changes on the defensive line, it's hard to develop guys when you've got a different coach every single year. Uh, K-Town, addressing the poor recruiting thing, I think that these are some of the best classes that ASU has had in over a decade. I do think it's a develop. It has to be a development last two Last two years for sure. We're getting all these kids from Arizona. Let them develop, but it takes time to develop all these kids. Um, JoJo Wicker, in my opinion, should be... Making, making larger steps. So here's the thing. Fair That's enough. another guy. JoJo Wicker is a guy that you maybe want to develop on the inside or develop on the outside. But here he is playing both depending on what defensive front that you want to line up in. And he has three coaches over the last three years. And he, he was highly touted, and he is a good player. And I think he did, based on just his pedigree, maybe get an honor he might not have deserved last year with, a, with a, all the, the Pac-12 you know, second right, team. Right, right, right. But you know, the fact of the matter is this – Stanford team can do this to anybody it wants to. They can run on anybody they want to. You just don't want to be the team to give up a record-breaking performance. And I don't want to get into so, the defense too much because also the, the offense bears some responsibility, you know, as far as not being able to, to put the ball in the end zone. Exactly. Right. But real quick, uh, going to the defense has been on a decline since 2012. Uh, there was a pretty good defense inherited early for Graham. And it did go down a little bit, but I think it went down in the transition of trying to put his mark on it with the recruits that he's bringing in. We should see a pickup, I'm going to say, next year. Next year should be, you know, the turning point for Todd Graham's players, his recruits, his guys, his philosophy, his schemes. Um, also keep in mind, you know, there's been a lot of changes with the coaching front, you know, some of his assistants. Um, I know we brought some guys in and stuff that, you know, may share but may not share the same philosophies as Graham while they're coaching under him. One of the things that you and I talked about before we hit record on this that I, I want to get your thoughts on because I'm just not really sure where I sit with it right now is, you know, Todd Graham's job status. I think you and I are both on the same I page. Like there. Too. I don't know if there's a better person out there for this job right now, but they're not getting it done. And so automatically that's where everybody's head's going to go. But here's the deal. Todd Graham will be the coach next year if Arizona State competes Wins enough games, to go, but they got to be competitive in every single game. And here's what I ask you, because the one thing that Ray Anderson doesn't want to see is he doesn't want to see his teams get embarrassed. Sure, you lose by 10 at Stanford. You cover the spread, at least. You're in the game until the very end. I don't think that's going to happen. But if, if, if you're surrendering record-breaking rushing performances, even if the game is close, isn't that a form of getting embarrassed? You know, I... Record, records are going to be broken and records are going to be set and it's going to happen. And, you know, I, I think the bottom line is, you know, uh, so, somebody's going to get those yards. So whether whether you give up 300 yards to one guy or 150 yards to two guys each, um, you know, I think that you're going to run into a variety of situations that, you know, on the stat sheet are going to look very, very, um, very, very displeasing. So, you know, I think... Um, you know, as, as long as you can keep the score close, as long as you can put yourself in a position to be competitive, you know, I know a lot of people didn't like the idea that they kicked that field goal with uh, how, however many seconds left, uh, 24 seconds left or 30 seconds left or whatever. But I think that it was a great idea that they let uh, Ruiz try to kick that field goal then. You kind of are scrapping the game. 
but you let him get that one field goal attempt under his belt so that in the future, hopefully he hits that. Whether it's a, to tie a game, whether it's to win a game, we already know that he can hit a 40-yarder to win a game. That's See, nothing. Brandon says that for the most part he thinks ASU is better than U of A, and that's the thing that you're going to have to settle for taking solace in this year. But are you? I mean, aren't these still two pr- practically the same roster? That if, if, if University of Arizona decides that they just want to run the ball every single time, are they going to be able to do that? Again, this year, you know, we'll see. You know, wasted another red shirt. I'm assuming you might be talking about uh, Curtis Hodge. They've been planning on putting him in on every single – they brought him to Texas Tech. They're going to try to find a package to get him used. He was never going to red shirt. You, now, they have used a lot of people's red shirts. Like, I don't understand putting Eno Benjamin in in high-pressure situations only to put him in a situation where he's going to lose a yard or two so that the only two touches that he gets in the game are for a negative three yards. I don't understand the way that they're using some of their freshmen right now, but it is under, un, important to understand that Curtis Hodge, he was always, always going to play. Once they saw his frame, they're going to put in some special package for him. Nikhil's like try six, to use Nikhil's him. like six three, six four. Curtis Hodges is six six. Uh, they're going to have these two kids hopefully next year, and they're going to have these kids for sure next year. So, I mean, you have packages for them, dude. That's going to be tough to defend, regardless of who the quarterback is in the end zone. When you're on the goal line, when you're in the red zone, like you, it's just going to be the alley oop to these kids. So, you know, burning his retro for one play against Stanford. Hey, just let him get in. Let him get that one rep so it's under his belt you know this game you know I don't it wasn't out of reach this game was still within reach so you know it's disappointing that they lost it's disappointing that you know they gave up a record-setting day to one running back but you know at the end of the day like they're I think that Todd Graham is doing the right thing with these recruits and getting these recruits the most important thing is that he is winning the in-state recruiting battle by far but at the same time, like Todd Graham out of his own mouth has said, one, they're not going to pay you half a million, or they're not going to pay you millions of dollars to win half your football games. So even he has painted the picture that he understands that with three losing seasons in a row or two losing seasons in a row and a mediocre season that he might not be around anymore. The other thing that Todd Graham has repeatedly said as head coach of the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils Scrappy is that it's Norman his West. job to manage personnel. Scrappy Norman's at Cerritos College right now as a freshman. He's healing up from two knee injuries. He's finally getting playing time. Um, thanks, Brandon, for the question. But here, here's the deal. Todd Graham said it's his job to manage personnel, and now there's been a lot of dissatisfaction at the way that a bunch of people, you know, uh, Perry's red shirt has been burned. Field's red shirt has been burned. You know, Benjamin's red shirt has been burned. Hodge's red shirt has been burned. But all the red shirts that are being burned this year, I don't feel as... Um, uncomfortable with as I felt when they burned Dylan Sterling Cole's red shirt, which I thought was completely unnecessary. But do, but at the same time, does that fall into a pattern? Um, no. Uh, Dylan Sterling Cole should have ne- his red shirt should have never been burned last year. Well, he has the opportunity, obviously, red shirt this year. But there's not a great track record with players who play a year and then sit a year. Because if they feel they were talented enough to get on the field in the beginning, it's hard for them to then turn around and wait after that. We saw that with your boy Kendall Taylor, you know, out in Washington. You know, right, he, right, right. He right. comes in, he gets a bunch of carries and, and gets targeted on a bunch of you know receptions, and then all of a sudden Peterson comes in. He he sits for a year, and ultimately, you know, he he's not about doing that. I think a lot of players feel the same way. Sitting is hard. Playing and then sitting after that leaves you with a harder. lot of time to just sit around and think about why you're not on the field. And not every player is able to respond to that type of adversity. One player that you and I are close to that we understand kind of a lot about is Chase Lucas. And, you know, he was somebody who wasn't really ready to play the position last year, but I also hated to see him get redshirted because he's somebody who needs that engagement. He always needs to be involved on the field in, in, in how he plays. And a lot of players are exactly like Chase Lucas. They need to be involved. So in order to get these recruits, sometimes you promise them you will be involved in the offense, but you bring them in and you're not ready to have them play. They're not ready to know how to use Eno Benjamin right now, and it shows. It absolutely shows. They're not ready to have some of these guys get on the field. And now it comes out they've lost Joey Bryant for the season with a knee injury. Karan Crump's out for the season with a knee injury. The depth is at an all-time low for the defense. They're going to have to find a way to match up with – I mean, you saw what USC and Washington State in, did last night. Do you think they can hang with either one of these teams with in, no depth on defense? Injuries have been an issue for the Sun Devils for, you know, this isn't the only year. So, you know, uh, and that you can't, even, you can't even fault the coaching staff for that. Injuries are injuries, and they happen. Um, in talking about, you know, uh, some of our four stars haven't um, 
produced the way that they should, and uh, we got to develop our three stars. There, there is some truth. Our, our, some of our four stars haven't, haven't worked out exactly the way that we wanted to. But if we don't get those four stars at all, then it's going to be a completely different complaint. Then it's going to be like, how come we didn't get this four star? How come he left? How come he went somewhere else? So if we're at least getting him, then we're at least winning that part of the battle. And that's really all we can ask of the coaching staff is that they sell the program enough to bring these players in, bring the quality of player into the program. So let's be, I guess, the literal opposite of a devil's advocate because, you know, you're saying what would happen if, if, every, if the wheels fell off. What do they do with the coaching situation if ultimately they hit a skid, they can't recover from it, they drop for the next five games, then where are you looking? Are you looking for a young up-and-comer? Are you looking for somebody established? Do you think Ray Anderson uses his NFL connections? And I hate to speculate about what's going to happen as far as coaching, but you're in a situation where you're two and three. Ray Anderson's not going to tolerate three losing seasons in a row. Is there even any way to salvage the talent that's on this roster with somebody else? Or ultimately, is it is this Todd Graham's meal to make with these groceries? You know, um, yes, this is Todd Graham's meal to make with these groceries. Um, and you know, So you think if another coach comes in, a lot of these players are gone? Um, I think that if another coach comes in, uh, the team is going to be super dysfunctional for a while. It's going to be – it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a minute to get this back on track. Um, we're, we're looking at a rebuild. We're looking at a rebuild that's going to take, you know – three or four years just to get it a little bit right. My thing is I want consistency. I don't want to have to, you know, change coaches every two years just because I'm unhappy because we lost, we had two back-to-back losing seasons. I don't want to lose forever, but football, college football, there's like different phases to the games and there's different victories that we got to look at. Like I said, we're we're winning the recruiting thing. We are absolutely winning the recruiting thing. Then there's an in-state rivalry game with Arizona. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get that one this year. Um, you know, we're, we're, know we're, 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 lo- we're, losing, we're losing in the, in the win-loss right now after five games. But, you know, after six games, you know, hopefully we get it right. After seven games, hopefully we turn the corner a little bit. So... We'll see. The schedule doesn't get any easier from here on out. Obviously, you know they're they're, they're going to have to. There's a lot host. of tough Pac Pac-12 teams, so you know I, you know we'll we'll see we'll see how it all you know uh, works out for them. Um, Utah is beatable. I feel like three of their last four games are fully winnable. Um, they can beat U of A. Uh, they can beat Utah. Um, who else is in there? Um, I feel like they can beat Colorado. I feel like they can beat Utah. I feel like Washington State right now is the exact recipe for what will destroy Arizona State, and that you know that's that's kind of unfortunate because I I, I think that while Mike Leach has a great air raid system at the same time you know the fact that he's able to develop these two and three star players in Pullman and Arizona State isn't able to do the same with with a lot higher talent you know I think probably speaks to the amount of turnover they've had as far as coordinators and the way some of these players mesh together and the systems they're trying to use but I I don't think Washington State right now is a winnable game I don't think USC is a winnable game I feel like UCLA Utah Colorado and I've been saying since last year we can beat Oregon State But I've been saying since last year, I don't think that Chris Peterson has ASU figured out. Now, a lot of that was dependent on on Karan Crump uh, because Arizona State's pass rush with him and without him, you know, did you see any sacks today? No. You saw four tackles for a loss. That's it. Without Karan Crump on the field, it completely changes the complexion of what Arizona State's able to do. Uh, They have players playing positions who aren't meant for those, who aren't meant for those positions in a system that really is only worth using if it works. You know, we're going on year three of wondering if even having a, a, a devil backer is worth it. And you know, uh, Brandon is asking about you know how Costello did today. I think he was like fourteen to twenty-four or something like that, hundred and seventy-some odd yards and a touchdown. But when it came down to making the important throws, he was able to do it. You know, he hit a receiver over Kobe Williams in the end zone. He hit that same receiver near the end zone over over Chase Lucas late. Um, late His in the QBR half, so. was eighty-eight point one. Not exactly, like, mind-boggling. But for a first start, he didn't make mistakes. And ultimately, that's what you need from your quarterback is to not turn the ball over, especially if you're going to rush for 301 yards. Um, you know, K-Town CP is saying, they, you know, they can beat they can beat U of A, they can beat uh, Oregon State, Colorado, and UCLA. All the other ones are long shots. Now, um, you know, I, I, that's, that's possible. Four more wins puts them at six. 
And, Put them at the minimum. Right. And if you know if they can go to a bowl game and not have a situation like they did against Texas Tech where they absolutely got, you know, destroyed, um, you know, then maybe seven and six or maybe six and seven with a respectable bowl performance is enough to say that we're progressing towards something else next year. But at the end of the day you have to look at it as if they go six and six and lose or win a bowl game, the bowl game doesn't matter. If they go six and six, who were they losing? To Mario Richard and Kalen Bellage. Right. Right. So if you're saying, OK, we're a passing team, you know, if, if you if you are Arizona State and you say to yourself, we are a passing team and ultimately we're passing the torch to, you know, going with Kyle Williams, Nikhil Harry, yeah, Darby and every, everybody like that. And we're just going to spread the ball on the field Nikhil for one more, though. So, yeah. Yeah. No, he's he think about it this way. Nikhil Harry's college career is halfway over. It's halfway over. Halfway done right now. Uh, and he's out there throwing touchdown passes. So, but it, you know, if if you say to yourself, you know, okay, we're fine with with the quarterback we have, the receivers that we have, uh, so we we're fine to let the running game go uh, and just depend on you know and get what we can from here on out. If you're ASU and you're saying that to yourself, then I guess it's all right. But at the same time, I think you have to panic a little bit if you look at the fact they haven't got anything out of Benjamin Ralston, Trey Turner transferred or isn't playing football anymore. You know, you don't know what Traylon Smith can do yet. You do have two running back commits, but these are two special players that are leaving, and you're not capitalizing on the fact that you have them here now. And K-Town, that, that's something that uh, Ralph has addressed numerous times, and I think in the forum also. Um, anytime Manny gets hurt, his level of play goes way down. Like, not like a little bit down, but it starts to like like bad stock plummet. So, um, Ralph's addressed that uh, numerous times. And I, I don't know, like, yes, he just can't stay healthy, but like he also can't keep from getting hit. So I wouldn't be able to stay healthy either if I was getting clocked that's by nobody. 300 that's pound everybody. men that run a four five forty. You know. 18 times a game that hit that he took at the end of the game you know yeah you can say what's crazy is you can say to yourself love guys manny wilkins is one of the toughest most athletic quarterbacks arizona state has ever had but toughness and athleticism doesn't matter if you're not able to get the job done right and manny wilkins is not able to get the job done when he is physically less than you know let's say that threshold is 80 percent because i don't think he's it's, been 100 percent since he's been here it's not that he's not capable he's just not able and there's a huge difference there's a huge difference um he's playing with a lot of pain clearly you can tell because the first two games of the season first three games of the season he's a different player he's excitable he's out of the pocket he's running full speed you know the last two, the last two games, and then late in last season, like man, he's like bandaged together, yeah. uh, held together with you know some athletic tape, like you know, and it's problems. It is problems. Now, K Town asks um, on the Periscope here that we're doing. He asks, why not put him under center? Uh, protect him a little bit more and and watching Stanford it has to be I, incredibly frustrating to see them snap the ball and do quick pitches because if you if you've been watching Arizona State struggle to find ways to get Kalen Bellage and Demario Richard uh, to the line of scrimmage uh, more quickly than they have been in the past you're looking at somebody who's under center and then turning around and pitching the ball back right away and you're looking at that and saying like why hasn't that happened at Arizona State in the last three years why not? And that's how I say he is. He's running a run-pass option. K-Town's right. He, you know, these comments are dead on. He's running a run-pass option when everybody knows that, one, he's not going to keep the ball. So this is just like back when Mike Bercovici was running Mike Norvell's offense. One, he's not going to keep the ball. And two, if he does keep the ball, he's not 100%. And so he's not going to be able to do anything with it. You saw at one point when it was a third and three, they gave him five year, yards of space. Arizona State's pass blocking held up, a window open on the left side, and they dared him to go and get that three yards and Manny Wilkins who is quick and athletic got a yard a yard before everything came crashing down on him because they know that he is not a hundred percent and that's just the thing I see teams adjusting to what Arizona State displays on the field I don't always see Arizona State making those adjustments part of that's Todd Graham's personality this is a stubborn stubborn guy with a stubborn staff he got to where he was doing what he did but the problem is not a lot of it's working anymore I mean, so this record setting back, he had 159 yards of offense in the first half. So that means that he had 142 yards of offense in the second half. So, I mean, I guess you could kind of say that Todd Graham's the way it works. You know, be stubborn and do it your way and, you know, do the minus nine. <laughs> yeah, I right? would hardly say that that was a positive 
that that was a positive adjustment that you actually held him to less. Wow. Now they see that, and that's why you're going to get accused of being a Math- mathematically. You you hold what, what congratulations that? Like, to Arizona State on improving their defense in just the second a little half. Bit. Congratulations. Hey, hey, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So okay, so by if they were to play twelve more quarters against Stanford by the or by twelve more halves by that twelfth half, they might actually be able to hold them to ninety yards and a half. No, it's going to be like at least like the sixth one, like. Man, see, and that see, I, I looked at it as a strategy of like, you know what? This is a good idea. Let their running back gas out. Like, I don't think that Bryce Love came into this game and expected to run five miles today. He, and he was breathing heavy. He was breathing heavy in the fourth quarter. Like, they're like, all right, Bryce, you're back in. And he's like, uh, okay, you know. And, the, and then those lanes would open up, and he's like, well, I guess I gotta go. You know, it's going to look bad if I lay down on the field. So I yeah, mean, no, absolutely. the lanes were just open. And, you know, I, he's going to sleep well for a few days, I think. They, I, I think they should exempt Bryce Love from practice because he, he's, he's already got the cardio in. Brandon, I wouldn't have minded seeing Austin Jackson. But, you know what, we got big Hunter uh, from uh, Hamilton coming in next year. And I think that that's going to be a uh, good thing. And shout out to the person that just com- commented on the cornerbacks. The cornerback play, I think, is a lot better than it was um even this time last Oh, definitely, year. definitely. I would say that Chase Lucas is the truth. He is Chase very Lucas good. Is the truth. He is very good, and I'm not going to no, say we are positive. Not mis- We're not saying positive things about Chase Lucas because he'll believe them, and it'll, it'll go to his head. I, I want to keep him motivated and, and because he is doing absolutely great things right now. Baseball is going to be good. Uh, but, <laughs> but here's the deal. Kobe Williams is doing everything right. Kobe Williams is an excellent option at cornerback, and his only shortcomings are his shortcomings. Is the fact that you have six foot four, six foot five receivers that he's lining up against, and ultimately, this is the same reason that ASU. But he's athletic. He is athletic. He's disciplined. Um, The fact that he had no offers coming out of high school and one coming out of JUCO walks right in and starts in a Pac-12 and looks good. You know, he is. Um, he's what you hoped Robbie Robinson would be before he left, before he left the program. Uh, I, I Chase Lucas is a much more stable, I think, version of Curry Moore, less of a quick t- twitch athlete. But you and I were talking while we were watching the game. Uh, I, I think that Chase Lucas. I think you were right. Chase Lucas applies that mindset as Can't he has. That's going to change. He had as an offensive player, you know. Uh, Chase Lucas always wanted to be around the ball. He wanted to be the star. He wanted to be on camera. Yeah, he wanted to hold the ball. Yes, you because you pointed out last year the problem. The problems that Chase might face is that um, on defense, the ball's not in his hand, and he needs the balls. He needs the ball in his hands for him to be successful. Now, Chase Lucas is doing anything and everything he can to get on camera. To get on camera. The only way as a defender that he can do that is to get close to wherever the ball is. So he's forcing himself to be a ball hawk. He's chasing the ball down wherever it is, whoever's carrying it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if it's a 350-pound lineman. He doesn't care if it's a quarterback. He doesn't care if it's a wide receiver. He wants the ball, and I love it. Yeah, and objectively, here are the things I saw from Chase Lucas that it's right. He almost blocked a field goal. He was he he was the first one. It's down. gonna happen. He was the first one down on on uh, I believe a kickoff to make a tackle. He had a great pass breakup. He chased down Bryce Love from behind a couple of times. He also crashed down into True. a gap, into a gap, and and uh, and disrupted the run. And yeah, you're right. He tries to get around the ball so that he can get that same screen time he would have if he was Nikhil Harry getting the ball in in his hands. Uh, we had a question on here. Did Tashawn Smallwood do anything today? Yeah, he, uh, he, he took a few steps uh, backwards, literally and figuratively, against oh, the Stanford offensive man. line. It's a talented offensive line. They've done this to everybody. You just don't want to be the team that they do it to. There's nothing more demoralizing than getting the ball run down your throat. Now, I think it's worse to have a situation where you're in that last drive and you can't stop Stanford and they bleed six minutes off the clock than it is to watch them hand the ball off and run up the field untouched. You know, one of one of those is a big play thing that you can recover from because you get a chance to get the ball back in your hands and make up for it. The other one is just death by a thousand paper cuts. You're not getting the ball back. 
you're not getting the ball back, and there's nothing you can do, and they're moving it on you, you know. And Stanford ends up kicking that field goal and putting the game out of reach, and 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 you have to, if you're an Arizona State fan, you might have been able to walk away from that Stanford game accepting the loss and accepting the idea that they were competitive. But the last thing that you're left with is watching Arizona State just get run on and run on and run on and run on and run on, and then a field goal kicked, and the game is over. So this offensive line. I feel like took a step forward. This defensive line took some steps backwards, and they were getting pushed while it happened. Right. Um, I feel like Christian Sam and, and and DJ Calhoun. You know, they were the they were the victim of a lot of um, a lot of uh, pulling extra linemen and tight ends. Uh, as far especially when those big gaps were opening. But at the same time, you know, they combined to make like fifteen or sixteen tackles. Um, the, the, I think one of the problems was Chad Adams plays a lot better in pass coverage than he does on taking a, an angle in the, in the run game. If you look at Bryce Love's first two touchdowns, um, if Bryce Love ends up on that Heisman stage, his reel is going to prominently feature uh, Chad Adams, unfortunately. And so um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm impressed with the defensive backfield. I feel like Jamarcus Rhodes uh, has taken a step forward. Um, but at the same time, you know, 34 points to a Stanford team that scored 58 or so against UCLA. Are you encouraged by that, Chili? Um, a little bit. A little bit. You know, Stanford is still the class of uh, the, Pac- the Pac-12, I feel like. Um, I know Oregon. I know people believe that Oregon is still kind of, on, you know, coming up or they're, they're, they're back. Um, shout out to, you know, Johnny Johnson because I, I know some of those kids and stuff. But, man, I, you know, I, I think that. ASU is making strides forward. I don't think that they're regressing, and I think that that's uh, really important. I think that everybody, uh, fans, uh, people in the forums, um, members of uh, Devil's Digest, I think everybody's got to embrace that, you know, this team is making strides forward, and this team is not regressing, regardless of, you know, how bad it looks right now um, in the win-loss column. And it's only two and three. There's, There's a lot of teams right now that wish they were two and three. Two and three in the three games that they've lost have been by, what, a combined 27 points? Yeah. So they haven't been blown out. But I'm not encouraged by this. I don't necessarily think it, that you should be encouraged to be two and three at this point, especially when 4-0 is, is, is really within reach. I feel like they lost to a Stanford team today that probably should have beat them, save the fact that Stanford was starting a freshman quarterback, and it's – it's, it never feels good to get beat by somebody in their first start. Um, but ultimately, you know, Arizona State's in a situation where 6-6 six and six is still feasible. Um, not out of the ordinary. I don't even think you have to be extra hopeful in order to say that that's a possibility. Um, but at the same time, there's nobody in the Pac-12 that you can look at and say, this Arizona State team, as it's currently constructed, as the plays are currently being called, as the offense is currently being run, with the decisions that they're currently making, I guarantee a win. You There's know, no guarantees. Not a single. They could lose every game from here on out and finish two and ten. It is equally as possible as going seven and five. Oh man, I, I think that it is more likely that they go seven and five than they go two and ten. Um, there's still six teams in the pack that don't even have a win yet, and I know that some of them haven't played their Saturday game or whatever. But man, like. You know, this team, they, they still have a shot. They are not out of it. This is only um, two games into the Pac-12 schedule. Yeah. Like, there's only two games into the Pac-12 schedule. So, you know, um, there's there, there's still, I don't even want to say it's hope, but the reality is is that this team could still, you know, win out. And they don't even have to win out. Like, they can just, you know, they can just get some of these victories versus Colorado, Arizona, uh, UCLA. And, find themselves in the driver's seat. But then again, like you look at Philip Lindsay, you look at U of A's ability to run the ball, and if that's going to be your Achilles heel, you know, you're not getting a break from teams that have the ability to run the ball. You're not going to face a Stanford again where they can run out nine offensive linemen, not even have a quarterback and just direct snap if they want it to. You know, you're you're not going to have that situation again, but at the same time it's not like talented running backs are not in your immediate Future And so the one thing that I would say is if you are an Arizona State fan, that you should probably 
think back on what the environment was if you were at Sun Devil Stadium or if you watched on television and saw what the environment was against Oregon and then tell yourself it is obvious that you factor in. It is obvious. Arizona State probably couldn't have pulled that game out against Oregon without a clear home field advantage. And it's really the first time since they've made the improvements to the stadium that I feel like that advantage was felt. And so, you know, if, if the fans aren't willing to, willing to come out and do some of those things and bring some of that support against Washington, then, you know, I think you can just write that off as a loss right now. Um, so I, I would say that if you want this team to tank the rest of the season so that you can get new blood in, no. then go ahead and don't show up at the games and continue no. to do what you do. But at the same time, if you if you actually want to aid in the process, you're probably going to have to be there because Arizona State's in a situation where the Pac-12 is so close, so neck and neck with the amount of talent that's there, with some coaches doing a better job of evaluating, or evaluating and, and – um, and building up the talent they do get than others, but it's so close, neck and neck right now, that you need every advantage that you you can possibly get. And so, um, I you know, if you want to salvage the season, I guess get out to Sun Devil Stadium, see if you can make some type of a difference in what happens against the Washington Huskies. Um, but yeah, what I worry about is if even if they're competitive, even if they're only losing games by three or seven, that if they fall to uh, two and five or something like that, that people will write them off completely. I See, I, I, I don't see that happening. I, you know, I think there's too many winnable games. I think this team is way too talented, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I love the situation with coaching staff right now. I love – I think they're very, very uh, – they're very, very qualified to make sure that this team, you know, wins those winnable games. Um, you know, before, before the season even started, uh, up till about, you know, um, an hour before game time, I don't think many people had uh, – ASU pegged to beat Stanford. So the fact that they only lost by 10, I mean, they already covered the spread. I mean, that's that's part of it. That that I don't I don't want to I don't want to take a victory and a loss, but man, like, you know, if they would have not covered the spread, that means that they're losing a game by 20 points. That's a blowout. That's humiliating. If Chad Adams makes two tackles, you know, if if, if K.J. Costello isn't able to hit his receiver in the back of the end zone with Kobe Williams on, it was a lot shorter. There's always going to be ifs, and the problem is that Arizona State's just on the other side of too many of them. And, and ASU shot themselves in the foot today by taking a sack when they were in field goal range. You know, that could have made a lot of difference early on. But the one thing you got to like about Arizona State is even though they did something that dumb early on, they were resilient enough to come back. And to have an opportunity, twenty-four seventeen at halftime with you getting the ball, that's manageable. But obviously, the offense that came out after halftime was the offense of a hobbled Manny Wilkins, which is not good enough to get the job done in Pac-12 play. And if you want to win games and your quarterback's hurt and you're not willing to pull him out, then you are willingly losing. You are willingly losing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, sometimes. Sometimes, uh, in order to take two steps forward, you got to take one step back. So, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, um, I think the right things are being done, though, um, with this team. I think, you know, uh, Todd has a plan with these recruits, with his class. These are, these are, these are, this is officially, like, going to be his thing. This is, like, because he's been here for what? This is sixth year. Right, but if you're saying so, if you're saying like, play, if you're if you're saying these are his kids, kids, then you're in a situation where you're like, all right, we're just going to Marvin Lewis this guy. He's going to be here regardless. He'll develop his guys as he goes. We're going to give him a lifetime pass to figure this out. Hopefully, eventually, it works out. And that's just you know that's not really how it works in college. But when you're financially strapped and all of a sudden you're asking for an extra fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars to finish a project that's already three years in the making, can you also then turn around and raise the money to buy somebody out of his contract so that you can have no. someone come in, no. coach somebody else's recruits, and be back in the same situation what? that you were It'll five years worse. ago? You're going to take four steps back, and you are not going to take a step forward for at least two, three years. I, get, I, get, I guarantee that. It's going to be way worse. It's going to be, be way worse. You're, you're going to talk about going back to, like, the Dirk Cutter era. So, basically, Arizona State's fans' options right now are be mediocre or rebuild. 
it's not even mediocre. This team is going to be okay. Like, medi- okay is literally the synonym for mediocre. No, this team is gonna. This team's gonna make it. This team is gonna be in the top one of the top two teams in the Pac-12 South. There, I said it. This is gonna be one of the top two teams in the Pac-12 South. Well, they technically still have the opportunity to be one of the two top two teams in the Pac-12 South, and as we're coming to they're an actually hour, literally in the middle, so they're mediocre. Right. <laughs> But as we're coming to a close, uh, spending an hour on Periscope with you guys, we really appreciate it. We're also recording this for Devil's Hey, Trophy Michelle, podcast, we got a girl so in here. Make sure that uh, you subscribe uh, on iTunes to the Devil's Junkie Podcast. Make sure that you get a membership to Devil's Digest. Get in the in the forums. Mix it up with us. You know, we're, we're, we try to solve it in there. We try we try to come up with solutions to to all of these issues and figure things out for the coaching staff. You know, they didn't ask for our help, but here we are anyway. And so, you know, Hode Rubino does a fantastic job. With, with Devil's Digest. We had Justin Toscano um, out in Palo Alto today. He's going to be sending back some some great work. We'll have it up on devilsdigest.com soon. I'm going to go out right now and I'm going to look at some potential recruits at Scottsdale Community College and Mesa Community College. I'll be posting about that in the forums. We're out at two high school games every single week looking at some of these recruits Actually, that they're great. looking at. Because we usually go to one together and then... Yeah, we'll combined we went to four this week and we saw plenty of prospects that, that ASU has interest in. You know, Gunnar Cruz from Castile is somebody you know that, that, that you were able to see um you know last night i was out i saw a couple of possible sleeper maybe you know walk on prospects out on the west side uh the night before that i saw jamari joiner who might end up being the quarterback a couple years from now uh, on the opposite side of the territorial cup so we take that information we turn around we give it to you in the huddle at devil's digest um and, and that's something that we absolutely love doing for you guys so subscribe to devil's digest subscribe to the devil's junkie podcast shout out to brad denny and joe healy who do an incredible job with speak of the devil's podcast be denny um, joe healy I like them. They you make know, me laugh. They're funny. Those we're are funny three people. years deep into into the Devil's Chunky podcast. We're three years deep into being part of of the Devil's Digest family, and and we absolutely appreciate everybody that listens, everybody that tunes in. Uh, and we're kind of finding our way, just like these Sun Devils are. You know, like we're you know we're we're, we're going to get it right. We're going to write the ship, and it's going to be like big productions and lights and like Kanye West, Jay Z type stuff. So you know, I I, I, have, I have a big vision. This is. You know, you got you got to have those aspirations. Like Todd Chili's Brown. out here speaking victory, <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you can't stop the run, well, we're going to stop the run, and we're going to punish people with the run. So it's going right. to be all good. Things right are going to work out. Well, we're going to stop this periscope from running. Thank you guys so much uh, for joining us. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Enjoy the rest of uh, enjoy the rest of football, and, and and we'll see what happens next week. Forks up. We're out. I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town